Thanks for tuning in to McNamara on Money, a podcast about all things financial. On this podcast, we talk about investments and investment performance. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Listeners to this podcast should consult their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions we might make. McNamara on Money is heard on six continents and in more than 50 countries worldwide. Now sit back, relax and enjoy the show. And good morning, everyone that's listening live. This is Pat Harridan, as Mike mentioned, sitting in for all the McNamaras that may be on vacation, traveling, or as Tim mentioned, heading down to the parade, which does start at 10, Tim, I believe. But thank you all for for listening, for the regular listeners of the program. When I am on substituting guest hosting, I normally talk about things related to insurance and employee benefits, and that is the plan with a little bit of a twist for the hour. For the first half hour, we're going to talk Social Security with a Social Security expert, and then the second half hour, we'll be talking all things Medicare with a Medicare expert. And the time of year is a good one to have these topics. It's the Medicare open enrollment period, but it's also the end of the year, beginning of tax year, and some changes in effect for Social Security for 2024. So to help me with that, I would like to welcome Kurt Zernowski to the show. Good morning, Kurt. How are you? Good morning, Pat. Great to be back with you. Yes, thank you for being here. So it seems every fall, Kurt, we do this, and every fall there's something new. So we only have a half hour this this year, so uh, let's do it quick, but let's just give people a brief, I, I think it's important to know where you come from, because it's very helpful. Just give our listeners a little bit of an intro for those that may have not have listened in the past, and then I'll get right into it. Sure. I worked for the Social Security Administration for 34 years. The last 20 years of my career, my job was as the communications director for Social Security here in New England, which meant I spent my time, as our Canadian listeners would say, oot and a boot, talking to people about the program. (laughs) I've now spent the past 13 years in air quotes here, retirement, doing exactly the same work because I enjoy it and have a great time trying to educate people about the Social Security program. Yeah, no, and I think you you hit it on the head with that last sentence, Kurt, is just educating people on Social Security. And I always say, and hopefully, you know, our listeners run the gamut, too, is this is an important topic, whether you're 25 or 55 or 65. This is not something you should only start thinking about as you near retirement due to all the issues that we'll get to a few of them. But let's start at the beginning, Kurt. What since you know it well, what is Social Security or what was it designed to do? And then we'll talk about how it operates for 24. Sure. So the Social Security program was created back in 1935. Legislation signed into law August 14, 1935 by Franklin Delano Roosevelt, cornerstone of his New Deal package of legislation. And it is a social insurance program uh, designed to provide a measure of protection for workers and their families. Uh, The original program simply talked about benefits in retirement, but before the first retirement payment was made, the Congress amended the program, added survivor benefits, disability protection added in 1956, and so it really is this comprehensive, broad-based social insurance program 
provides income protection for workers and their families when something untoward happens. Now, the most untoward, obviously, is death of a breadwinner, uh, but disability and then uh, retirement. So concept is while you're working, you pay Social Security tax, that FICA payroll tax, 6.2%. By paying those taxes for a significant amount of time, you accrue or earn coverage and protection under the Social Security program so that when you retire, (laughs) become disabled, or unfortunately pass away, the Social Security program steps in and provides benefits to you and and, and to your family. So it's important, listeners, to understand it's more than just a retirement program, but equally important, people need to understand it was never intended to be anyone's sole source of income in retirement, always been intended to provide a base of protection. So it's important for people to understand what the program provides, but also recognize what it doesn't provide Mm -hmm. and take steps to move from what Social Security is going to provide them to where they need and want to be. And so let's deal with the, the, I think, the simplest issue, but it's more complicated than that. You mentioned this is not a death, unless it's the death of a breadwinner, obviously, with dependents. But the just talk about for a second, because I think people get confused on this one. Although if they do watch commercials, not the Joe Namath ones, we'll cover those next half hour. But the, the commercials for Colonial Pen and other life insurance companies, what is the death benefit, just the pure death benefit for folks, what is that whopping check when you die? Yeah, and so this is something that fried my bananas for years when I was working for Social Security because <laughs> you'd be seeing all these commercials because Social Security does provide a one-time, paltry, pathetic, $255 lump sum death benefit in the event of the passing of someone who has worked and paid into the program. Now, it's always been $255. Back in the day, it used to be paid on behalf of anyone who had worked and paid into the program, but in 83, Congress tightened it up. So there's a limited number of people who can get that 255 death benefit, largely a surviving spouse or surviving minor children or kids who were collecting. But the thing that always upset me the most was the fact that those commercials conveniently overlooked the ongoing monthly survivor benefit protection that accrues to someone who has worked and paid into the program and who has paid, I'm sorry, and who has passed away. Social Security, someone passes away, leaving behind minor children. Social Security will pay a monthly survivor payment to each of those kids up through the age of 18 or age 19 if still a full-time student in high school. Social Security will also pay a monthly benefit to the surviving parent of any age until the youngest child turns 16. And on top of that, though, there are what the program refers to as older survivor benefits, payments to widows and widowers. So it's more than just that one-time $255 lump sum death benefit. It provides that, in essence, a, a guaranteed stream of income for family members of someone who passes away. And you mentioned it earlier, Kurt, and we'll get into a little bit of the details in a second about the funding piece, but there are a couple of groups of employees that do not pay into Social Security, so some of them may be listening just to explain uh, who who does not pay into Social Security. Sure. And so the, when the program started back in 1935, one of the issues that Congress grappled with was the fact that as, as part of the Social Security program, you as an employee pay a 
6.2% Social Security payroll tax on the first, and this year it's the first $160,200 in earnings that you have. That is matched by your employer. And so one of the issues Congress grappled with early on was, okay, so if you have state and local government employees, could the federal government legitimately tax state and local entities for that employer portion of the payroll tax? And because at the time, state and local entities had in place retirement benefit programs in large measure already in place, Congress conveniently just pushed the issue aside, decided not to deal with it. With the passage of time, a lot of public entities realized the Social Security program wasn't a bad deal and looked to see how can they be covered under it. And so Congress came up with a series of what they call voluntary coverage agreements, where if a pension entity, and it isn't an individual, it's the pension entity as a whole, if they vote to be covered under the Social Security program, Social Security and the IRS will enter in an agreement with the pension entity, and basically these people are covered under Social Security as if they were a private sector employee. But that leaves behind a number of public entities where folks have never voted in to be covered under Social Security, including places like here in Massachusetts, where state and local employees and Massachusetts school teachers have never opted in to the Social Security program. Instead, they pay into the Mass Teachers Retirement System or what used to be the county retirement systems or the state retirement systems. And so they're not covered under the Social Security program as part and parcel of their regular employment. But a lot of these people do work in jobs either prior to their public sector or public sector employment or during or after, where they do pay into Social Security. There's a couple of provisions of the law, the windfall elimination provision, government pension offset, that impacts someone who gets a public pension based on work not covered under Social Security, but who was also either worked or paid into the system or was had a spouse or deceased spouse who was worked and paid into the system. But the key thing is it's that public entities have opted in to Social Security. And if they've opted in, they're not impacted by either the windfall provision or government pension offset. And so a couple of things, a couple of questions, Kurt. And is it, I'm going back to my memory now, is the other large group of people that aren't in Social Security the railroad workers, or is that something oh, from sure. the past? Oh, sure, yeah, because railroad, the railroad retirement system was already in place. Okay at the time the Social Security program was created. A, another uh, large group not covered, although it's getting smaller by the day, are federal employees who were hired prior to 1983 because they were covered under the old Civil Service Retirement System, CSRS, Got it. where they did not pay into the Social Security program. Instead, they paid into the Civil Service Retirement System. Federal employees hired 1984 on covered under the new federal retirement system, FERS, Federal Employee Retirement System, which does ha does have a social security component to it. So as those old CSRS employees retire and then eventually die out, it will be a case where all federal employees and federal retirees will be covered under social security. But there are a few holdouts, like those Filipino soldiers hanging out in the woods, not knowing that World War II had ended, that are they're still not covered under social security. 
Got it. Okay, so now we know who's not. So the people that are covered, so everyone else that works, even self-employed, which you'll talk about in a sec, I'm sure, everyone else is covered. So how do we get, you mentioned how we pay in and the way it works, and correct me if the way I say it is wrong, Kurt. So the 6.2%, so if people look at their paychecks, which I'm guessing a lot of people don't anymore because they don't get the check, they just get the stub. But that 6.2% is what they pay, and obviously the employer matches that. And the way it works is that rate has stayed the same, but the earnings to which that applies goes up every year, correct? Absolutely. That 6.2% has been constant since 1991. That was the last time there was any increase in the FICA tax rate. But you're right, Pat. The taxable maximum level of earnings, because each year there has been a maximum level of earnings that are subject to Social Security tax. As I mentioned before, this year you pay tax on the first $160,200 that you make, matched by your employer. Or if you're self-employed, you pay the combined rate, but up to that max. Next year, that increases a little bit to $168,600. Now, the important thing to note is, when Social Security calculates somebody's benefit, they average their high 35 years of earnings to come up with their retirement benefit. But it's important to note that Social Security only averages in earnings that had been subject to Social Security tax. So for example, this year you can make half a million dollars, you're only gonna pay, as I mentioned before, Social Security tax of the first $160,200. So when it comes time to look at your earnings, average your earnings and calculate your benefit, you don't get credit, if you will, for that half a mil, no. They average in $160,200. So it's the taxable maximum increases each year based on the increase in average wages in the country, but it is that taxable maximum figure that's used in calculating somebody's benefit. And then how does one, because obviously people need to pay into the system or get vested, if that's a term, how do they, how long does that take and how does that work for a, a person, again, young person starting out not knowing what they're in for? Sure. And a little bit of history lesson. When the program started back in 1935, you earned coverage and protection under the Social Security program by earning what were called quarters of coverage, or QCs, as the abbreviation was. Hmm. And you get one quarter of coverage if you worked during a calendar quarter of the year and made at least $50 during that calendar quarter. Because there are four calendar quarters in a year, you could earn a maximum of four quarters of coverage during any one calendar year. Now, 1978 though, the system changed. It became a lot easier for people to get coverage and protection under Social Security, and they moved away from this calendar-driven system. So now you get coverage and protection by earning what are called Social Security credits. And credits are earned not based on when you work, as they were under the old quarters of coverage system, but it's based on the dollar amount of earnings that you have in a job covered under Social Security. 1978, that first year that system changed, you would get one credit for each $250 that you made in a job covered under Social Security. And the thing was, it didn't matter when you made it. So in 1978, for example, if you had earnings of $1,000 or more, you would get your four Social Security credits for 1978. Now, the amount of money required to earn a credit has grown over time. 
Next year, for example, 2024, you'll get one Social Security credit for each $1,730 that you make. Now again, you can earn a maximum of four credits in a year. So next year, for example, you have earnings of $6,920 or more. You'll have accrued your four credits for calendar year 2024. And the bottom line is for retirement benefits, you simply need to have accrued through your working lifetime 40, 40 quarters of coverage and or credits to be in the term in the legislation is insured for a benefit. Now, again, the key thing is you don't have to earn four in any one calendar year. You can't earn more than four. But once you've cobbled together 40 Social Security credits, again, put your foot in the door. And at retirement, you will absolutely positively get something each and every month from Social Security. Now, you don't happen to accrue 40. You can't qualify for anything based on your own work record. But it is possible to collect based on the work and earnings of a spouse. But for survivor benefits and disability benefits, you get coverage and protection with fewer Social Security credits. The exact number depends on how old someone is at the time they either pass away or become disabled. But that 40 credits, the equivalent of 10 years of work under the system, that's what gets your foot in the door, entitles you to something when at, under the retirement program when the time comes. And we can talk about when the time comes means, we can talk about how much that is actually gonna be if we have the time, but that's how you get your foot in the door. Yep. 10 no. years of work under the system. So how do you know how many credits that, you have? That's what I was gonna, I was gonna ask well, you to give out, cause we're gonna, we, we are gonna run up against the clock, but give out how they would find that out. And then also Kurt, I want you to give out your info and then I'm gonna ask you a couple of questions cause we're gonna come on the break and I don't wanna cut you off, but go ahead. Sure. Yeah, and so basically back in the day, Social Security used to automatically mail out a paper Social Security statement each year to anyone 25 years of age or older. They no longer mail paper documents to everyone, but you can get that Social Security statement information by setting up your My Social Security account. You do that by going to www.socialsecurity.gov slash myaccount. Take about 15 or 20 minutes, set up that account, and having that account in place will enable you to access, through a secure website, a social security statement for yourself. We'll provide benefit estimates for you on retirement benefits, survivor benefits, disability benefits, but it'll also tell you, according to social security records, how many social security credits you've accrued to that point. And then to get retirement benefits, you need those 40 credits. So www.socialsecurity.gov backslash my account. And Kurt, for the, and that's a great, everyone should do that literally because if there's an error, it takes a while to correct, especially in this time we're in. But Kurt, and so people who did, weren't on at the top, Kurt Sarnowski is a, a social security consultant. He helps people understand their benefits, maximize benefits. Kurt, just give out your contact info, website, and all that, and then I'm going to ask you a couple of other questions regarding the benefit that I think people will be interested in. Yeah, the website is www. and then all one word, ZarnowskiConsulting.com. Zarnowski spelled C as in Charlie. Z as in zebra, A-R-N-O-W-S-K-I, ZarnowskiConsulting.com. 
Give me with your best shot, Pat. All right. We've well, done a wonderful job. We haven't said a nice thing about the McNamara's yet. Yeah, we can't do that. Can't do that. So the the thing that I think is most interesting, you, you alluded to at the top, but just to reinforce it in today's dollars, could you just tell us what the average retirement benefit is per month for a worker? And then what's like the maximum, given the fact that you said the taxes are maxed out on the income? Like, if you were hitting the maximum for 35 years, what's the maximum amount that you could get? And I think that will be a little eye-opening for folks. Great. Great question. So in 2023, the average Social Security retirement benefit being paid is $1,848 per month. $1,848 average. Then the question, is there a maximum, again, in 2023 for someone who is at his or her full retirement age this year, which we talked about in the past but didn't get a chance to talk about today, and who for the past 35 years has had earnings at or above that taxable maximum figure, this year he or she receives $3,627 per month. 1848 average in 2023, 36.27 max. Good solid base, good solid foundation, but again, never intended to be anyone's sole source of income in retirement. They need to find ways they can move what Social Security provides to where they need and want to be for that comfortable retirement. And a couple of questions before the break so people will understand. A couple of things. People should check at any age. They could get even the person who is, so the person won't get an estimate, Kurt, if they're not vested, right? So they have to be 10 years. Correct. They need 40 credits. And then with 40 credits, Social Security can provide them with a retirement benefit estimate. Correct. Got it. And then, but people anyway, even if you're under that, you should make sure that your earnings are there in Social Security. That's why I need to check that statement periodically. And if a mistake had occurred, catch it, correct it. Because if you don't, have a direct impact on what you'll eventually receive. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Kurt. Appreciate the time, even though we only had a half. But again, people listen to the replay if you want Kurt's information. Because definitely, you'll definitely need to know how to spell that website. But thanks, Kurt. Have a good turkey uh, day. Thanksgiving, everyone. Take care. Stay safe. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Alyssa Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Your investment strategy should largely be determined by the amount of time you have before needing the money. If you are aggressively invested, time is your friend when it comes to your portfolio recovering from the scary stock market. If you need your invested money soon, it should have been conservative to begin with. If you're not sure how your money is invested, I'd be happy to offer my opinion. 781-834-2010. And we are back. Thank you. This is McNamara on Money, and this is uh, Pat Harridan sitting in for all the McNamaras who are on vacation. We talked the first half hour on Social Security, and now we're going to do the second half hour on Medicare. So they are two separate programs, but they're intertwined uh, a little bit, but they are very different programs. And again, timing is always important and the reason we're talking with Ted O'Connor. I'll have Ted introduce himself in a second, but Ted is a Medicare expert and they're going through people in individual Medicare plans are going through their annual open enrollment and we'll talk about what that is now and I think it ends Ted on December 7th. Right around the corner. Ted, why aren't you, for those who have not listened when you've been on in the past, just give us a brief overview of what it is that you do and at the end I'll have them I'll have you give your yeah, joke. Who am I and why am I here? Correct. <laughs> Thanks for having me back on. I appreciate it. Nice to be back on the radio. And again, Ted O'Connor. I have my own little uh, Medicare practice now called Tedicare. And I've been in Medicare for 13 years now. My first 12 years was, was two different companies. My first company I did 
mostly national work. I worked for more of a national Medicare exchange where most of my work was done in the Midwest and the West Coast. And then I started a Medicare practice at a pretty prominent employee benefit firm here in Massachusetts. Started the Medicare practice, very busy. I had a business partner as well. And people were telling me, Ted, you've been at this for a while. Why don't you start your own practice where you technically own your own book of business? So we did that about a year and a half ago. I live in Cohasset, and my office is now out of my house. Office Starting on company. To, mm-hmm. I had an office in Situate Harbor for years, and I, so I moved it there. But it's I work with. So I, my name and my game in, is individual Medicare. Mm-hmm. I assist people how to sign up for Medicare, whether you're signing up, you're turning 65 and moving to Medicare plans, or whether you're retiring at age 75. The steps to do. And whenever I work with somebody, there's an informational sheet I get back name, address, medications, doctors. And I let, I walk people through the road paths in Medicare. What are the plans? What are the rates? I like to think I have a good business model, and I say that politely, that I represent about 12 Medicare insurance companies, and I'm licensed in several states. So I do not charge a fee for a Medicare consultation. I simply outlay to them, to people, what is available. They pick and choose their plans. I do the, the enrollment process, so I would be there. Medicare broker for years to come. If you see my card there, Medicare coach. Yep. Um, and part of, um, so right now is the Medicare annual enrollment period. You cannot miss a TV or a radio about hearing it right now. Mm-hmm. Those ads drive me a little cuckoo. Um, but what the annual enrollment period really means is it's, it's October 15th through December 7th every year. And what it really means is if you already have individual Medicare plans, like for instance, a Part D prescription drug plan or a Part C Medicare Advantage plan, mm-hmm. this is a period of time where you can change your plan every year as long as it's done by December 7th you'll have a new Medicare, or sorry, Medicare plans for January 1st. For 1-1. So we're, and we're talking about, so we have a, we have some of our listeners get group Medicare plans through their retirement plan, their union or through their the government, uh, government, towns, cities, cities and towns. And that's not what we're talking about because that's a separate and different plan because your employer, your former employer is paying a part of the premium. But there's a fair amount of people and that number is going to be growing of people that don't have access to a retirement a Medicare plan in retirement. Let's just do the basics, Ted, Mm -hmm. quickly. Medicare, you become eligible for Medicare. How and when? When you become 65 years of age, that is one. You don't have to sign up for Medicare when you're you're turning 65. If you are still Mm -hmm. working, in other words, if you're an active employee on a group health plan that offers health insurance or the spouse of an active employee, that is credible coverage in the eyes of Medicare. Not everybody has to sign up for Medicare at age 65, but you are eligible. And also people that are, are on Social Security disability. There's a term, I don't like the term, but awarded Social Security disability. Those people that can, like if you're 40 years of age and you're awarded Social Security disability, you then qualify for Medicare after two years of payment. And you have to be, in order to get Medicare, you have to, similar to Social Security, you have to have paid into the program for a number of years to get. Yes. So part A is everything inpatient. It's your room, your food, your board, any services or any medications that are provided to you while you're inpatient in the hospital. Also in part A is skilled nursing care facility coverage, hospice care, home health care. And when you sign up for part A, whether you're 65 or 75, as long as you worked 10 years of your lifetime and paid taxes, Medicare taxes out of your paycheck, part A is premium free. 
And that also falls, um, you have a spouse that you filed joint taxes with. If they worked 10 years, you qualify for that as well. So Part A is typically premium-free. Part B is outpatient services, medical services, pretty much anything you go to and from your home the same day I described. Doctor visits, CAT scans, MRIs, outpatient surgery, durable medical equipment. The only caveat to that, Pat, I joke with my clients, ambulance services is also covered under Part B. And I joke with people, you never know if you're coming home after that. So that is in Part B. Part B, there is a premium to Part B. And it is based on your your taxes, your income. So every year, for instance, right now for 2020, January 2024, Social Security and Medicare and the IRS, they link right up. And they always look back two years from the year you're signing up. So for Part B premium in 2024, they're looking at your 2022 taxes. And for 2021, they look at 2000, I said that wrong, 24, 22, 23, 21. So it can fluctuate every year. And typically, and we're both looking at it right now, the Medicare internal numbers really do not escalate very much from year to year. So right next year, the the standard premium is $174.40 per month. And then, as you can see, Pat, there are five other income brackets. And uh, I walk people through that. The uh, If you do have a higher income, you do pay a higher premium. And that is called an income-related monthly adjustment, otherwise known as IRMA. And I walk people through that. And eventually it does change because when you do retire, your income goes down. But if somebody does fall in the, one of the higher income brackets, there's an appeal process, which I help people with as well. So in, you, so in, in simple terms, let's say someone has a single individual let's use the 100,000 bucks let's just say mm-hmm. if their pension and their income is all under 100,000 bucks they paid into the system they're getting part a with no premium, premium I, ne- I never want to say free cuz yes. not free <laughs> they're getting part a with no you premium you already paid for it that's correct what. and then part b which most people should at least have a and b mm-hmm. you're paying 174.40 a month and typically, when they're also Social Security eligible, that comes out of their Social Security check, right? They're not, Correct. They're not when, when you, whenever you start to collect Social Security, whether it's at 65 or 68, 69, that's when the pre- your Part B premium will come out of your check automatically. In the meantime, they bill people for you, if you're not collecting Social Security yet, they bill you for your Part B premium. Right. And I always tell people this, they bill you quarterly. And I don't like quarterly bills. I do know that when you open up that initial packet, there is a... A, a monthly, you can have it come out of a checking account. Check account. Yep. yep. So part A, and so A is hospital, B is outpatient and doctor. Mm-hmm. So the third part, which again doesn't go in order, it D is uh, the drug, which is the only one that makes sense to people because D is for drug. Mm-hmm. Um, but pharmacy. So people could have, although not the norm, people could have uh, part A with no cost. They pay part B, mm-hmm. and they could also just have a part D plan. Correct. They, they could that's, do that. that's yeah. So part D is prescription drugs. Anything you go to and from the pharmacy, mail orders included as well. There are twenty part D insurance companies and plans, should I say, excuse me, for next year. There's probably nine companies, they all have multiple plans. So that's just called the separate part D drug plan. In part A and in part B, there are quite a few holes. In other words, deductibles and coinsurances that somebody would be responsible for. Right. And they're not small, Pat. Uh, there's yeah. a, in, in part A, there's a $1,632 deductible if you were to be admitted as inpatient. And the most important thing 
thing to remember about that deductible, it is not an annual deductible. It's per benefit Every period. Time, yeah. As I tell people, worst case scenario, on the Part A deductible, if somebody just has A and B and you go in the hospital January, you're in there for three nights, you come home, it has a 60-day benefit period. So if you go back in, in April, you're in there for four nights, you come home. Another deductible of 1632. You go back in July, September, late December, somebody can have five of those deductibles. So the Part A deductible is the biggest cost. Right. And in Part B, there is a smaller deductible. Next year, it's only $240. That is by calendar year. Right. But the biggest cost in Part B is there is a coinsurance. 20% coinsurance, which is unlimited. You add up a CAT scan, an MRI, an outpatient surgery, an ambulance services. So that's the biggest cost. So right. what people typically do, there are what I call two road paths in Medicare. Road path number one, where somebody gets, they have A and B, and then you get what's called a Medigap plan, otherwise known as a Medicare supplement plan. It's with a private insurance company, Harvard Pilgrim, United Healthcare, Fallon, Health New England. And they, they fill the gaps in original Medicare, so you are not responsible for the majority of those outstanding deductibles and coinsurances. Mm-hmm. So technically, that's your card for your doctors and your hospitals, the Medigap card, and then you couple that with a Part D drug plan. So for those, for a Medicare supplement plan, you're paying the premium cost of the supplement, plus you're still, you have to pay Part B as well. Correct. You, so technically, you only need Part A to get a Part D drug plan. But you need Part B to get a Medigap or the other road path, which is called the Part C Medicare Advantage plan. People sometimes think that, geez, if I get a Medigap plan or I get a Medicare Advantage Part C, I don't have to pay my Part B premium. No, you have to pay your, that's like your rent check. You Mm -hmm. have to pay that just to keep Part B in place and then the additional cost from there. So So someone could have a... Pay for B and buy D. That's one. Mm-hmm. They could have A and B and buy a supplement. And then what's the third? Uh, a supplement. Advantage. So a Medigap and a Part D. So road yep. path number one, you have A and B, yep. a Medigap plan, mm-hmm. and a Part D drug plan. And they yep. can be separate companies. The Medicare Advantage, the Part C, and these are the ads that you see them on TV all the time. And they drive me crazy and they drive my clients crazy. A Part C Medicare Advantage plan is what's known as a replacement plan to original Medicare. So what it does is it takes all the benefits from Part A and Part B, converts them into a Part C plan, and adds Part D for the most part. There are some plans that don't have Part D, but I don't think I've ever enrolled somebody that does not Medicare Advantage that doesn't. And these are the localized plans. They come in the flavors. So these are managed plans. They come in the flavors of HMOs and PPOs. So on a Medigap uh, any doctor or hospital that accepts Medicare in the country will accept any Medigap plan. So that's a portable plan. On a Medicare Advantage, I dig a little bit deeper. I get a list of your primary doctor. care specialists because you have to find out what plans these doctors participate in. And the Medicare Advantage, they have what's called the wow factor. That's my own term, by the way. The wow factor is a lot of them have very low premiums. In fact, right. some have zero. zero dollar premiums. Where's the wow factor is, where do I sign up? But those ads on TV, the Joe Namath ad, and I know you're a producer over there. Jim, Jim, Jim Hi, <laughs> hi, friends. <laughs> Tim this is Joe Namath. Call now. The call is free. Yeah, Martha, that's the new ad out Tim, there. Tim's going to look for the Jimmy Walker <laughs> money cut. He'll get that out. Dynamite. Those speaking specifically of Jimmy Walker and Joe Namath, those ads <laughs> caused havoc in Medicare. And I joke with people, do you think Joe Namath has that ad, has that plan? No way. And it sounds like everything is for free. Right. So what? So on a Medicare Advantage, 
you pay as you go. Everything is a copay. Preventative services pretty much don't for the most part. But ambulance services, a day in the hospital, CAT scan, MRI, outpatient surgery, and you pay these copays and coinsurances until you reach the out-of-pocket spending limit on the plan, which reigns in Massachusetts. I think the lowest on an HMO is five fifty five hundred out of pocket and on a, a PPO is up to it's 11 me again. <laughs> Listen to this. Medicare Part C plans with extra <laughs> benefits like getting money added back money. to your Social Security check every month may now be available to you in your zip code. Make sure you're not missing out. It's simple. <laughs> One, call the number on your screen. Two, they'll look up. Do you know what the money? All right, you carry know, on. I'll let you know. You know what the money you. back is? It's right. for people that are on Medicaid. It's the you know, lower it's a very small people. population. Right. So I have my clients asking me, and I have a, my clients are pretty much, I get a lot of financial advisors and semi clients, HR directors, medium to high income, and they say to me, right. am I going to get money back? I'm like, no. Yeah, no. So. And, and again, Massachusetts is a little unique too in that from a network, the three things, and you mentioned them, I think, Ted, when you first started talking about it is the people, it's still true whether you're a employee in a plan or trying to buy a Medicare plan, it still comes down to what prescription drugs do you take mm-hmm. and how they're covered under the different plans. That's mm-hmm. very important. The second thing is, especially in Medicare advantages, is your doctor or hospital in the network? Because mm-hmm. those plans, for the most part, don't ex- it's not everyone that accepts Medicare, like on the Medicare. Correct. Yep. So you have that issue. And then obviously, what are the total costs? And that's where someone can get tripped up a bit because they're doing, when you think about it, and we have this problem in the private sector too. We do open enrollment now for the plan for next year. No one knows what their expenses are going to be next year, mm-hmm. right? You don't know. When you sit down with your clients, you're tra- they know they're going to take their drugs next year. You mm-hmm. can model their out-of-pocket cost. And then... You have to give them the example, like you said, best case, worst case. If they do have an inpatient stay, mm-hmm. what would the cost be under Medicare, you know, Advantage. Medicare Advantage? Excuse me, as long as they go in network, maybe it's zero, right? It could be because there's no, no gap or no deductible. Mm-hmm. So it's somewhat important. And then Massachusetts has to throw another wrinkle in in that we don't play by the rules of every other state in terms of our... Medicare plans. Medigap are a little Medigap, bit different. Right. Yeah. We, we there's typically people always when they move here, they're like, Hey, I want the part G plan. Yeah. G. We don't have a G, right? <laughs> we don't have a G. We don't have a G. In, uh, in, yeah, I'll jump on that if yeah, that's go okay. Ahead, go ahead. Medigap plans, Medicare supplement. In 47 states, there are variations of the plans and they're labeled by letters. And there's been about 10 different variations since I got in the business. The highest plan of coverage now, and you just nailed it there, Pat. Is it G? G. <laughs> I thought you were guessing, but you got it. Is called Plan G. That is the highest plan of coverage available to somebody new to Medicare in 2020 going forward. There used to be a plan called Plan F which covered everything in original Medicare. That is no longer available to somebody new to Medicare going forward. And that, if you had it, you can be grandfathered with it. So Plan G is the highest plan in Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, where the only thing you were paying out of your pocket that you were responsible for is the Part B is in void deductible, right. which again is 240 next year. It was 226 mm-hmm. this year. And it's by calendar year. And in Mass... We have our own different names. It actually simplifies things. I actually enjoy working in Mass with Medicare. So in New Hampshire, 47 states, it's called Plan G. In Mass, it's called the 1A Plan. And exactly the same plan. The only thing you're responsible for is that Part B deductible. And in Mass, a Medigap 1A is exactly the same in any company. 
They're standardized plans. They all do exactly the same thing. The only difference is the premium of the plan. Each company can have a different premium. They're all in the same ballpark, Pat. Maybe a $20 difference between one company and another. That is one thing different about Massachusetts, the Medigap plans. We have three, but there's only two available to somebody new to Medicare now. And also a great factor about Massachusetts. We are one of only four guaranteed issue states. In other words, there's no medical underwriting. No tests, no, not like you're getting life insurance and you have to go through all these procedures. <laughs> and I, I shared this story last year, Pat. I'll share it again with you. I had a, a lady, in, uh, a client of mine in Florida. She yep. had a Medicare Advantage plan, an HMO down there. She had to come up to Boston to have uh, a very serious cancer procedure and everybody comes up to Boston for the hospitals. Yep. And she was in panic because she came up here and her plan was not covered. Medicare Advantage plans, right. if you have an HMO in Florida, the only thing that's going to cover you outside up here is emergency room coverage. Right. So the joy was she had, and she's very healthy now, by the way, um, she had stage four of something cancer and she Massachusetts is guaranteed issue. So I was able to get her a Medigap plan that works for her up here, where in other states, for instance, in Florida... If she wanted to move to a Medigap, they have to be approved medically. Underwritten. Yeah, yeah. so Massachusetts is great as far as no underwriting. And, and that's always a big issue, especially on the even on the when we work with our clients on the, on the active side. Because depending on your family situation, you've got children out the country, throughout the country. They want to know if they're covered in other states. Mm-hmm. And I think for Medicare, that's the biggest question for those people that spend six months in Florida, Florida. and they're up here. They want to make sure that the plan covers not only emergencies, but regular care either place. Because sometimes yes. they can't travel. And that's where, like you said, the Advantage plans, especially if they're an HMO based plan, mm-hmm. there's probably a very outside chance that anything's covered outside there. Except the emergency room. Yes. Right. So I, have, I probably have, I don't know, 25 to 50 clients that live here in Mass who winter down in Florida. Right. And if you have a Medigap plan, it works for you just as well in Marshfield as it does in Boca Raton, Bangor, Maine, California. Right. And people tell me, during my consultation, I don't ask lifestyle questions. There's no checklist. Right. People just tell me what's important to them on a health plan. And if you do a lot of traveling, if you're going to go see your kids in Colorado over the winter, or you have a ski resort in Colorado, or you go down to the Breakers in Palm Beach, you definitely want a Medigap plan because it works for you just as well. You want someone that, it's everyone that accepts Medicare. Will which, accept any Medigap plan. Which, which you know, I, I can't imagine, there's probably a few maybe mental health providers that don't accept Medicare. There aren't many. I ran into this a um, few years ago. There's there are doctors out there that was... It's called the concierge doctor. Yeah. It was very popular a few years ago, but I don't hear about it much anymore. They don't where take any insurance. They don't, yeah. they, you pay a fee, a monthly fee, and they don't take any insurances. And that was a little bit of a headache for us in Medicare. It was like five or six years ago, but I don't see them here in Mass. It was really, the, if there's one spot in the country I've seen more people, doctors do not accept Medicare, they're all in the same spot. The heart of New York City. And I think, because again, people want to pay out of pocket. And again, if we have the same primary care crunch that we're going to have here that they may become more popular because mm-hmm. I don't want to run up against it, Ted. Give out your contact info now so that we don't run up sure. against it. Sure. Again, my practice is called Tedicare. I am located I work in my house in Quasset. My phone number, as Pat knows, I was telling him mm-hmm. I started a year and a half ago. One thing I have not done yet, which is on my agenda, is to get a website, but I, it's word of mouth and referrals. If, if is it the works most without important. the website, you don't need yeah. it. My phone number is 781 
800-879-8434. And my, I have a couple emails that go to the same spot, but it's ted, T-E-D, at tedicare, T-E-D-I-C-A-R-E, medicare.com. So ted at tedicaremedicare.com. Yeah, I was telling you last year, somebody has the domain for tedicare. Uh, no. So I, I was trying to do TED at TedCare.com, and they offered me like $750 to buy it. And I was like, I can just do Medicare. That's Not fine. worth it. But TED works with, with people who are uh, need to enroll or switch into Medicare. And like he said, there's a on the individual side, Medicare pays coaches like TED to do that. So it's no no cost to you. <coughs> it all depends on what, what plan you pick. All mm-hmm. right. So we're going to do a little, not rapid fire, but we'll do a couple of quick ones. For people out there, What assuming that they've got a, they, they've, they're in Part B at the 174 for next year. What's a typical, what's the range of premiums in Mass for the Medigap? All right, so Massachusetts rapid fire, so I'll make it yeah. sure it's quick. I would say when you're, uh, I would say the ballpark number for uh, average Medigap plan right now is about $215 in Massachusetts. A month. A, a month. month. Yep. But when you're new to Part B, when you're signing up for Part B, you, you can get discounts. 15%, 10%. So if you get a discount, you're looking at about $175 range a month without a discount, about 215 So that's Medigap. Gap. And what about a Medicare Advantage plan? Uh, they range from zero t- right. to 280 is the most expensive And one. that's what I wanted you to say because that's where you need the coach because the zero premium... Again, it might be the best plan for you. Mm-hmm. It might be if you're relatively healthy, don't take drugs. Mm-hmm. But you need to go through the process of... I'm sure I forgot your your checklist, Ted, but you've got tell me what doctors you go to, tell me what drugs you yep. and your spouse, spouse and you go through that to make sure that they would be covered, that they're in network. Mm-hmm. Again, just because they're covered by one plan doesn't mean they're covered by another plan. Correct. So you want to make sure that when you add it all up, the copays, the deductible, anything there, that number plus the premium, even if it's zero, would should be less than a premium plan. Because yep. theoretically, a premium plan has less out-of-pocket, theoretically. Correct. It's the yin and yang. The higher the premium, the less right. out-of-pocket, the lower the premium, the more potential for out-of-pocket. You don't right. spend that unless you... Go to right. the doctors. But Part D is very interesting. Not to skip to that. Yeah, no, no, please. Uh, Part D is what I'm doing right now. I offer, part of my services I already mentioned, I offer, I stay with my clients, and they are religious about that. Right. And they rely well, on. They're in. They they're, they're in. They're in. You're a client of mine. You stay with me. And right. I offer an annual review every fall. And again, people take advantage of it. I six to seven calls a day right now, and including Saturdays and Sundays. Mm-hmm. And the Part D element is very important. What I do is I get an, uh, either, whether I enrolled you last year or five years ago, I get an updated list of your medications, as much as specifics as possible, milligrams per pill, frequency mm-hmm. you take them, top one, two, three choices of pharmacy, pharmacies, excuse me, that allows mm-hmm. me to do what I call my homework. Uh, I go onto several websites, most predominantly medicare.gov, I input all your information, and then for a part of review, which again, what I'm doing quite a bit now, I show you really what what are the lowest costing drug plans. And again, it's based on your overall medication list, choices of pharmacy, and I take a look at what you have now and try to see if I can save you money. And this interesting point, I know we have to go, I'm looking. You're good. There's, mm. oh, I thought I No, you're good. Money. You're good. Part D, there's a lot of changes this next year. There is a, a plan out there called the WellCare Value Script. It is only fifty cents a month next year. Hmm. That is the premium. Just and for, just for the Part D component. Just 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 for the premium. But yep. this this plan is the home run 
what's the expression? The knock it out of the park this year. They they are preferred pharmacies with CVS, Walgreens, Stop and Shop. If you're up in mm-hmm. Maine, New Hampshire, Wegmans, and I probably enrolled moved people probably fifty to seventy five people already to that plan in particular. But it's based on what your overall what medication your, list is, right? And that it's, warrants what plans come up. It's not for everyone. You want to make sure that their drugs are covered Correct. just because they're covered by the plan. And the other thing, and I mentioned it, you've got, for the open enrollment period, once they pick a plan, they're in it all of calendar year 24. Right? Unless you have a special election period, if you move out of state, no, if there are five-star plans, there's not one five-star. You can move to a five-star plan in Mass, but there isn't one for Part D. But so pretty much you, you have that one it. plan, unless you move or the plans discontinue. But Got it. It We're could the be top, top of the dynamite. <laughs> Call now. So thanks for uh, listening, everyone. So remember, ssa.gov for Social Security and ted at tedicaremedicare.com for Medicare. And Kurt Zanowski also. you got to Google it because I can't spell it. <laughs> Have a good turkey day, everyone. Thanks. You can find McNamara on Money on all the major podcasting platforms. New episodes drop every Monday. Tune in weekly for everything you need to know about making smart financial decisions. Subscribe today so you don't miss a single episode.